Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Shotgun snap. Handoff. Snell runs laterally. Cuts over the left tackle. Touchdown, Steelers. A two-yard touchdown run on a good cut by Benny Snell. Pickett gets the shotgun snap. Flush from the pocket. Running to the numbers. Throws in the end zone. Caught in the corner on a knee by George Pickens for two. Tuesday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. We are here after the conclusion of another week of NFL action. Two-thirds of the way done. Chris, welcome back. It feels like it's been forever since we've done this, because last week, compressed, truncated. We were done on Wednesday. It's been six days, if my math is correct, and it rarely is. So welcome back. Great to see you. Thanks. How was your Thanksgiving holiday weekend it was great it really was it was awesome my favorite favorite weekend of the year uh hope you enjoyed it as well good family time thanksgiving was great games were great you know had enjoyed myself too much you know ate too much drank too much smoked too much it was a great day all together uh you know, and then got a little organized football game in between the first game and the second game in the backyard with the family. We had fun with all oh. that. So yeah, it was a good weekend. It was a, oh. we, had, we had a lot of fun. No tackle, just, just touch, just touch. Yeah, we don't want any injuries. We don't want to deal with that on Thanksgiving before we even eat the damn turkeys. So no, it was just touch. Had some fun. Got back in the house, ate some food, and watched the rest of the game. So it was great though. How about you? You had a good one. Yeah, it was good. I'm just fascinated by the sims family football, football game? game because you got some you got some competitive people <laughs> i suspect that that you and your dad are not the only two and it's one of those things where if one person just accidentally gives 
the other person a little bit. Oh, too much trust to me, shove, it's on. Trust me, I was I was definitely worried about that. I was like, oh, I I could see this, you know, temper flaring and someone pushing the other one too hard, and now we got a a separated shoulder or a broken collarbone, right? That was like my number one fear. But we did it right. Dad wasn't there yet, so Big Phil wasn't there. But yeah, between my brother. My brother-in-law, who was a hell of a football player at Boston College, but then it's the kids who are psycho, and like my sister, who's a psycho, so they get ultra competitive. But I had my my sister, my wife, my brother-in-law, and uh, my daughter. No, my my wife and my daughter, my brother-in-law, and my team. We ran like you know reverse, fake reverse, do all that kind of stuff. We had fun. It was a, it was a lot of fun to be out there in the cold air and, and enjoy the day. Yeah, it was a fun day, and all I know is this. As of the last time we were together, I was promised that there would be FaceTime calls made taunting me during the Thanksgiving night game. And then when that game ended and my son and I tried to FaceTime you from the barn, nobody answered. I felt so bad. I woke up the next morning, and I was like, damn, Florio called me. And it wasn't that I was asleep. It was just that I was... I had enjoyed myself Drunk? too much. Yeah, I, well, all of it. Both. All of it. I was on the couch, comatose, and I'm also the kind of guy, Mike, that, and I think you know this by now. Weekends, things like that, a day off like that. I, I don't, I don't live by my phone. I, I'm, you know, my family will tell you, I put my phone by the windowsill in the kitchen, and I will go a few hours without even looking at it. I kind of enjoy that about those type of days. So I'm sorry about that, man. I really am. I'm sure you guys wanted to. All in my face after yes. that. <laughs> I'm sure. <Yes. laughs> I, I can't imagine disconnecting for any amount of time. I know. And I know you I, can't. I just can't I can't. I, I wouldn't I would never be able to yeah. relax because the last time I was truly disconnected for a couple of hours was the day in late August of twenty nineteen when my wife and I for our twenty fifth anniversary were at some show on Broadway. Second inter, second act after intermission, because intermission, first thing you do, fire up the phone, see if I missed anything. Yeah, right, right. So I fire up the phone after the show ends, and Andrew Luck retired. Oh, yeah, I, of all I days. Thought, <laughs> I thought that our Twitter account had been hacked. <laughs> and I'm, you know, scroll, 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 text, text, text. What the is going on here? Right. So that's the last time that I pulled the plug for even a little while. And uh, anytime I do... Count on something big to happen. Well, yeah. the Colts are still dealing with the aftermath of Andrew Luck retiring, and we did not plan that at all. It just kind of Look happened. Look at that. Colts last night with Matt Ryan. Uh, hey, um, the, the Colts aren't bad. They're not uncompetitive no. under Jeff Saturday. It's no. not a train wreck. It's not an embarrassment. However, 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 I think we saw a little instance of the lack of experience when it comes to game management. Late in the game, as the Colts were trying to drive down to force a game tying, or who knows, maybe would have had for the third time this weekend, a walk-off two-point conversion, 25-24 win. We'll never know because they they ran out of chances, and they tried to run out of time. It was a long drive. They had the ball inside their own 10. It was kind of like the, the kicker jinx when that drive started – Troy Aikman and or Joe Buck was talking about that's too much field. They can't drive down. And they just start right down the field. Yeah. But when it got here, when, when he dove for the first down on second and 17, and he didn't quite get it because the whole issue of, you know, it's where your body part first hits when you dive forward. It was third down. But it's tick, 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 tick. There's just no sense of urgency 
Chris. It was just weird. So much time came off the clock. You've got all three timeouts. You're not going to use all three of them. They don't carry over the last time I checked. It was just odd to me that 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 happened. And, I, I, you know, reasonable minds may differ because they still I, – I don't know if they had enough time to score. There's the fourth down play that there was question about whether or not there was pass interference. Good luck getting the flag out of the pocket in a moment like that, though. But that clock management – yeah, I just it was feel questionable. like it's pretty basic. At some point along that way, you take a timeout. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, just the optics of it were certainly weird. You know, you, you think about it just from this stretch, of this this part of it, right, where you just go, hey, they were at the 40-yard 40, 40 line with two minutes left, and here they were at the 40-yard line with 59 seconds left. So they had let gone nowhere and had a minute run off the clock. That was odd in itself, you know. But I think Jeff Saturday – and, and and I do think coaches make this you know mistake at times where they maybe use those timeouts a little too early and panic. Oh man, there's 55 seconds left, and you're like, well, there's a lot of time. You're on their side of the field, you know, waited out. So I do think coaches make that mistake sometimes. But I think this went you know borderline the other way here, where you're right. I mean, again, you ended the game and you got two left in your pocket, and there, there's no use for them. That's never a good thing for a coach. And the other thing I think you know that is, I don't know, good for Jeff Saturday, maybe, uh, you know, good for him, maybe bad for the fact that we didn't get to see how it finished out. The fact that they didn't get that last fourth down play didn't let us let it play out to now let us evaluate to see, wait, are you going to have enough time here? Because it's going to be dicey. It certainly is. It's fourth and three, right? Uh, Looked like he had a guy open. As far as originally there with Paris Campbell, Troy Aikman, you know, pointed that out. I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to do. It was kind of a weird route by Paris Campbell as well. But, Mike, you know, he, he they get a completion. Let's say he throws the ball to Paris Campbell in the flat there and he gets the first down and he only gets two or three yards. All right, now you're going to use the timeout. You're down to 24 seconds left. And you got one timeout. And let's just say you got the first down by, a you know, a foot or two. Now you're at the 25-yard line, and you have one timeout left with 23 seconds, 24 seconds, and you have a quarterback that is not known to, oh, wait, I can throw a 25-yard laser into the, into the end zone, no problem. In fact, it's just the opposite. You'd go, why? I think you got to kind of go six and five and six yards at a time here. That's where we were cheated as viewers to this experiment with Jeff Saturday and really be able to evaluate the situation. So in some ways, I feel like he dodged a bullet by them not making the fourth down. But either way, I'm with you and Troy Aikman and everybody where I was going, wait, this is a little too much. I definitely would have called timeout after that second and 17 run and die by Matt Ryan. And it may have been something as simple as when that drive began, there was so much time left that Jeff Saturday just flipped the little switch in his brain as Be to the patient. things you're going to worry about yeah. on this drive. Maybe too. You don't right. have to worry about time. Right. Yeah, like like that's off the table until it's on the table, and it's on the table, and you didn't notice it. And then it's like, oh, crap, that clock's running. But yeah, but we, we, we got plenty of time. We're good to go. We got plenty of time. Yeah, but that clock's running. Maybe you got to revisit your plan. And this is the difference between you and I talking about it in this setting, people sitting on a couch talking about it people in a broadcast booth talking about it and actually you being the one that is in the middle of the blender trying to make the decisions while it's all happening that's where the experience matters 
folks. And when you've never done it, and that's your first time of doing it, trying to drive down the length of the field to get a last-second win and manage the clock and do all these things and have a play call ready to go and keep it all together, things can get a little haywire. Yeah. And, boy, it was it was something last night hearing former colleagues tiptoeing around the obvious that it was Jeff Saturday's fault. They're trying to blame Matt Ryan. He, he should have called a timeout. When do we ever blame the quarterback for crappy clock right. management by the coach we've had at the end of the game? Do we, ever, yeah, right. do we ever blame the quarterback? When does the quarterback have the power to do anything other than Peyton Manning? Who has the power, the blank check, to do anything when it comes to the decisions made by the folks on the sideline? We've had the conversation within the context of Matt Ryan. Exactly. Super Bowl 51. Right. Yeah, I mean, hey, Peyton Manning would have changed that play. Would have kept the clock moving. Well, there's very few, very. and the list may be one. Yeah, it might be. Who's got the authority over the team to say, what the hell are you guys talking about? I'm not doing that. Or to just say, I'm taking a timeout. It's, it's just that, that it's, it, there's, a, there's a military mindset at play here. And you don't make those decisions the coach does. And no. That's just the way it is. No, exactly right. We had this conversation early in the year, right, when people were trying to kind of blame Russell Wilson for the clock management a little bit with the Denver Broncos in week one. I've never seen anything, really. And and I, even to your point, Peyton Manning is the only guy that I knew had maybe more freedom with some of that stuff than, than anybody in the history of football. And I still don't think he even had the freedom to what we think he did. I don't think in a big moment like that, he was allowed to, you know, override Tony Dungy and, and hint let, like, hey, coach, no, I think this is the time. I don't. You know, if he did it, I don't think Coach Dungy would be like, oh, that was stupid. You're an idiot. But either way, Peyton Manning knew, wait, that's the general and I'm one of the troops. And when he tells me, I'll do it. And I know he's gone through all these things in practice and we've thought about it and we've talked about it. And that's where, you know, again, it's new to Jeff Saturday and the point we tried to make. Right. It's 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 the fact that guys like Bill Belichick are still learning these situations and still toying with the intricacies of it and still putting himself under the pressure and the situation itself at practice. Gosh, we got coaches who have been doing it forever and still mess it up on a regular basis. So it's not an easy thing to do. And yes, I know there was some former, you know, guys that worked with him on TV. Yeah, that 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 didn't want to go there. And that that wasn't fair either. I mean, to, to blame it on Matt Ryan is completely ridiculous. And again, Jeff Saturday in this situation, it was not good, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, wow, that determined the game. And that was, you know, just an absolute disaster. I think we got close to seeing a disaster. And that's why it was unfortunate we didn't see the fourth down conversion. I would have liked that just to see how this played out and if he could have, if they could have finagled enough time to get a touchdown. But uh, yeah, we got to call it like it is. That's our job in this business, and I think that's what you saw is some guys not doing that. I have another thought on this, but before yeah. I, I go there, let's hear from Colts coach Jeff Saturday and Colts quarterback Matt Ryan about the failure to use timeouts on that final drive, including after the second and 17 scramble that ended with Ryan diving head first short of the sticks. Here they are. 
I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had timeouts. I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted, I, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down and then we got there, um, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play um, a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays. Had the run, I guess, on second down. Um, I thought I was maybe a little bit closer than uh, where they spotted it, but I mean that's neither here nor there. I mean that's just how it goes with the new rules of when you go forward. So, um, just I mean I, I don't I don't mind the call with going with some tempo, trying to get that first, and then probably bang a timeout after that first. Uh, we didn't get it, then have to take the timeout, and on the fourth down call, uh, credit to them, they did a good job of jumping inside. We had some in breaking routes, but. Um, you know, it's disappointing. Um, it, it really is because I think the effort, the effort is good, uh, but our execution just hasn't been good enough. Now, as it relates to Matt Ryan and whether or not he should have had the presence of mind after diving forward short of the sticks to call the timeout then and there, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's out there exerting effort, running, which at 37 and you know he's I know he's just awfully skinny. Yes, he like, is. He, he's been around a long time. He's taken a lot of hits, and he doesn't have the natural body armor to withstand the physical abuse. But he's got to get up from that, and he's got to figure. You know, it's like where what's going on? You know, did we get the first down? What's happening? He's looking at the sideline. What are we doing? What are we doing? I. I just don't think it's fair to expect him. No, that's where Jeff Satter, I'm getting up and calling a timeout. That's right. Because first off, yeah, you, you know you, the situation's changing as according to what happens, the scramble, all that. They don't know what it's going to go, so it's not like it was a concrete plan as far as what we were going to do before that play. Okay, now we scrambled. People are disheveled. Our quarterback's out of breath. We got guys downfield that now got to run back and get back to the line of scrimmage and do all that. That, to me, is why you call that time out there. Wait, let's – okay, wait, we scrambled. Here we go. We got third and three now. All right. All right, let's use a timeout. Let's kind of reorganize our thoughts here. And how are we going to approach these last 25, 26 yards to go in and get this first down here in a minute and then score the touchdown? That's why you call that timeout, in my opinion. You know, and then Mike, to your point, exactly right. Matt Ryan, he's getting up again. He's just a player. I mean, if we're going to start holding the quarterbacks, to, then then we need to pay them sixty, seventy million a year if they're going to coach the freaking team too. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. And was And we got to blame Tom Brady, right? And we got to blame Tom Brady for the clock management by the Buccaneers. At the end of regulation on Sunday, well, nobody's blamed Tom Brady for that. Well, there you go. Right. We pick and choose where we like to blame in, in, in sports media at times, and, and we don't hold everybody to the same standard. But that's where, yeah, that's annoying. And, you know, to your point, Mike, yes, you get up. He's listening in his ear. Wait, what's, what's my offensive coordinator telling me? What, is, what did the head coach tell the offensive coordinator? And that's where the chain of command goes. So, you know, for people to say there say say it's Matt Ryan and he needs to be more aware, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. He's totally a player on the field, taking the instruction that's necessary, and then he executes it. He's not managing the game or managing the football team. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio 
and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You used a great word there during your explanation that is not a simsism that is a perfectly acceptable and appropriate word for this circumstances. You said the word disheveled because that's how it seemed. Right. Just like right. at the end of the week one Monday night game, the Broncos offense seemed disheveled yeah. and frenetic right. and out of sorts. And that's when it's incumbent on the captain of the ship to realize that the boat is sailing through disheveled waters. So we got to do something about it. He's the one in charge of monitoring everything that's going on. And this is where experience is your friend. It's iterations, yeah. repetitions. Right. I've been there. I've done that. I guarantee you, if they're in that situation again at some point over the remaining games of the season, he'll call a timeout. Why? Because he's learned the hard way. What happens if you don't? And if he is the coach next year, and I still think he will be, he'll be better suited for it. Yep. He's getting his experience on the job at the expense of the team because a more experienced coach is going to call the time out there when the, a drive that seemed like they had more than enough time. Yardage was the issue, not time. Well, we're not going to go through 93 yards against this defense, and they did. And the time just went off the clock too fast. Now, hey, Chris, if they had gotten the first down, right, let's say they take the timeout after the Matt Ryan scramble and die. Right, right. Take the timeout, settle down. Yep. Yeah, I saw a, a tweet that, well, Jeff Saturday already knew the play calling wasn't changing, so the timeout didn't matter. The timeout wasn't for the purpose of picking your play. The timeout was for the purpose of just getting everybody. Let's let's calm down here. Yeah. Sometimes you got the defense on the heels and you want to keep going. Sometimes you're all over the place and you want to get it settled down. Exactly In that situation, right. it wasn't about keeping the Steelers backpedaling. It was keeping yourself from backpedaling. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Let's 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 call. Let's make sure. Hey, oh, oh, I know what play I'm going to run here. Well, maybe we change our mind during the timeout. Let's be a little flexible. Here. Exactly. Right. There's something to be said for being right. flexible in all circumstances. Yeah. So then they got two timeouts left if they had taken it, and then they convert. And then if they're in bounds when they convert, see the beauty of having two timeouts with that much time left, you got the whole field open. Yeah, to you. sure. There's a there's a benefit here to having multiple timeouts if they had taken it after the second and seventeen play. Right. We can throw an in cut. We don't have to go to the sideline. We don't have to go to the end zone. We got another. We got two more. We got one we can use after we get the first down, and we got one more in our pocket. So it could have worked out very well. I agree with you completely. We were robbed of seeing whether or not this laboratory experiment that Jeff Saturday was trying to put together was going to work or not. It never got to the point where Peter Brady touched the two wires exactly. together to yeah. see what happened when the volcano activated. Right. Right. It didn't happen because they didn't convert. You know, they get that second and or third and short, excuse me, and then they get stuffed so quickly. It's like we didn't know what the hell happened. Now, so, I, I again... The point is this, it's on the coach to make the decision, and this isn't Jeff Saturday is stupid, Jeff Saturday is dumb, that's not what we're saying. We're saying Jeff Saturday is inexperienced, because it's through the experience that you learn. Sometimes you don't need the experience and you make the right decision first time up.
But I guarantee you, as I said, that experience will be beneficial to him the next time he's in that spot. That's yeah. how you learn. The the issue is, you know, and this is why, you know, he had a couple of opportunities to become the offensive line coach. If you're part of the staff, you're locked in, you're paying attention, you learn through someone else making the decision or not making the decision. He doesn't have any of that. He's got three years of high school, which is a completely different universe of coaching and realities and and circumstances and everything that goes along with it. I mean, there's some commonality, but not much. There's probably more playing Madden than there is coaching high school football. So I, 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 I just – look, it's his fault, and he needs to own it. Yeah. And his former colleagues <laughs> – need to not be so damn obvious about the pretzel into which they're twisting themselves to not criticize him at all. Yeah, that's it's all right to question it. It is. And again, I don't think it's egregious, the error. I don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, what an idiot. I'm pulling my hair out. I was sitting there going, man, they're letting a lot of time go up. I mean, I understood. Okay, yeah, they're trying to save it to the last possible second. I get it. But I think the point goes back to everything we said. That, you know, again... It's a two-minute drive where it's a quarterback that can't throw the ball down the field. You're not an explosive offense. And you could have right there, 48 seconds left, 49 seconds left, call a timeout, reorganize. Wait, how do the Steelers play us? Let's think about this. What do they do in these type of situations? You know, let's get the right play called. And then also within doing that, you call the next play too. Because you now, okay, we get the first down, we'll have that. And... Also, I don't think, you know, within that, if you had called the timeout with 49 seconds, now you're not going to be in this, you know, deadly hurry that I think they were going to be if they did get the first down. And and that's where, yeah, uh, we would have liked to have seen that. But, you know, again, yeah, it's a learning experience. It, like I said, it wasn't the worst mistake I've ever seen in football. And I would have liked to see it play out. And also, I think we got to point out that there was a lot of positive things about Jeff Saturday and the Colts, too. It was. I mean, the fact that they hung in there and got their ass whooped the way they did, because that, to me, was like the story at first in the game. I just go, man, this is the Steeler culture. It's on full display. They just came out kicking ass, flying around, just smush your momentum right from the get-go. You're not ready for this. We see a weakness on you, and we're just going to exploit it and just suffocate you and not even let you get, like, hey, into the rhythm of the game. We're going to hit the ground running, and you're not going to get a feel or a rhythm of the game until late in the second quarter. And then... You know, for them to bounce back the way they did, that was impressive. But then again, the Steeler culture kind of went back on display. Like, okay, well, we we were we were ready for this type of game, and we're we're fine with it. Here we go, and you know they they pulled it out. And that's where I can't say enough about Mike Tomlin. But uh, it was a good game for a game that is not real good playoff teams or anything like exciting that way. It certainly wasn't lacking of drama, and you know, a, a very competitive, close football game it was fun to watch. 16-3 to three at the end of the first half, there was a field goal that was blocked by the Colts, yeah. or a Colts attempt that was blocked by the Steelers, to be more accurate. And it would have been 16-6, but 16-3, and... It seemed like it was over almost, right? I mean, you the felt long like... Kick, the long yeah. kick return right. changed. It did, it did. It's like, what a, you know, yeah. say, here's another Monday night game, just like... 49ers-Cardinals last week. I'm going to be sitting here just kind of watching and waiting for yeah, something they're just going to happen. Dominate. I can't check out. Yeah, i got to right. talk about it tomorrow for you know the first half hour of the show or longer. So I'm going to sit here and watch it. And the next thing you know, it's, it's 16-10 because of the long kickoff return. 
Big and, play right uh, there. That it really just shows was. you. That, you know, it's, it's it, hey, it it reminded me of Thursday night. I you know I said I wasn't going to talk about Thanksgiving night. That was five days ago. But the Vikings kickoff return for a touchdown by Ken Wanmu. That that changed. It just changes everything. It does. When you, when you can do that, it changes the vibe. And they get the very short field and they cash in with a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's sixteen to ten, and and they're back in it. And and to your credit or to your point. To, and to the Steelers' credit, once the Colts took the lead, they did not crumble. It felt like other teams would crumble and just, you know, kind of like not our night, not our year. Right. Let's just get out of here. We tried. It it failed. And, and they just kept pushing and fighting, which is one of the key characteristics of a Mike Tomlin team. That's right. why you never write them out even right. when they're three and seven. And they, they hung in there and they got it done. So credit to both teams. Colts came yeah, off the mat good, right? And the Steelers didn't let themselves get right. knocked out when the Colts came back to life. Yeah, no, 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 no question, Mike. And I, I think you know, again, you said it, Mike Tomlin. That that's that is the greatness of him, and the fact that you know they just they they have a plan and they stick with it. They know who they are. Uh, the defense itself, you know, make plays. Uh, got got Matt Ryan and company never let them get into a rhythm in the first half of the football game and then offensively they just play it close to the best it's a lot of hey Kenny Pickett make a smart decision make an accurate four or five throw we're for we're going to continue to be patient running the football and they kind of just don't play outside of that realm and uh, that is a credit to Mike Tomlin and, and to you know knowing who they are in that that fashion and then I you know the fact that also hey you know, I think the Colts, another thing I would criticize a little bit, I, I don't think they ran the ball enough. I would say that they could have ran the ball more with Jonathan Taylor. I know the key to that game was not drop back more with Matt Ryan and let T.J. Watt and company be around him. I mean, we avoided, what, three, four disasters there, right, where it was almost a fumble. And, oh, my gosh, and, uh, because he's skinny and frail like you're talking about. And the fact that he can't push the ball down the field at all, I mean, at all, and a team like the Steelers just thrives off that and gets to play downhill. You know their defense was suffocating that way, and partly is because hey they're aggressive, but the other part is because yeah Matt Ryan and the Colts do nothing to scare you or back you off, and that's an issue they have as an offense. This was a play in the first half, an amazing interception after multiple Steelers games this year where we've said they can't catch. The defensive backs can't catch. That was a hell of a catch. And oh, this is and, another and big move, moment of the game. The I mean, you got a chance to. This was yeah. this was after. Okay, so the Colts score the touchdown to start the first half. Right. They get a three and out. They get the ball on their own twelve, and they just work right it down, down the, field, the field. Work it down the field. Work it down the field. Yeah. And then there's the moment where that fumble technically gets charged to Matt Ryan. You could argue it's Jonathan Taylor's fault. Yeah, but he never so. had possession of it, so it's a Ryan fumble. That, but, but, you know, even after that, the Colts didn't give up, and they got the ball back. Another and three and out their, by the Steelers, and they drove They scored down. their touchdown and yeah. went up 17-16. And that's when, you know, it just felt like, hey, the, the Colts are going to pull this damn thing off. And that's where you got to give Kenny Pickett and the Steelers credit. And yeah. here's Before we talk about what the Steelers did offensively, especially when they took the lead late, here's Mike Tomlin, coach of the Steelers, talking about his rookie quarterback getting his third career win. You guys ask me that every week. You know, he's getting better every week, and it's in a very natural way because of experience. Um, he's a competitor. He's smart. Um, but it's still a lot of meat on the bone, and 
and it's just a process. Uh, but like I always say, he's good enough and we're good enough to win while that happens. And so we're not grading him or us on a curve. We acknowledge that he's very much in development. Uh, you can ask me next week, and I'll tell you, he got better in all areas again next week because with each snap becomes exposure and sharp guys, guys that are competitors, they grow from those things. And this is what will serve Kenny Pickett and the Steelers well come 2023, taking your lumps now, learning the game now, and getting to the point where the game slows down. We hear that all the time. It's started to slow down. You've gotten comfortable. You've seen things. You understand what's happening pre-snap, post-snap, during the play, where the limits of your physical abilities are relative to the incredible physical abilities of the defensive players who are trying to keep you from doing what you want to do. And Pickett clearly passes the eyeball test. He can throw the ball. He's got enough mobility to make you think and make you worry and make you wonder. Look at that. Slipping through. He is. You know, turning turning a negative into a six, seven-yard gain. And uh, he's impressed me. From a lot of us, this was our first chance to really study him wire to wire in real time. Uh, And, you know, the great throw to George Pickens, although I still think he pushed off just a little bit there. They didn't mention that during the broadcast, but it looked like he had a little two-handed extension. Getting the ball to Pat Fryermuth. I mean, I I was impressed with what he did. And on the game-winning drive, Chris, the touchdown, the run by Benny Snell, he suggested it at the sideline. You know, he's involved. He's not just hanging around doing what they tell him to do. He's got ideas. Like Tomlin said, he's smart. He's contributing. He wants to come up with the best play in the best spot to win the game. So, And then the two-point conversion play. What a missile that was. He fired to the back of the end zone to George Pickens to give them the seven-point cushion. I, I, I just I was very impressed with what we saw from Kenny Pickett. Well, he he's really smooth and knows how to play the position and, and all the things you're talking about. He's smart. You know, he knows where to go with the football. Throws like this, like you know, the value of putting that ball in the money, let let you know, Fryermuth be able to turn up the field and get ten more yards because of the great accuracy of the pass. The mobility you talk about, it is real. I mean, he's very good in these situations and and has a great feel of, like, wait, let me hang in there. Somebody's going to come open. Wait, I, nothing's there, and I'm getting a little pressure. i got to get out and just try to buy myself time. He's very good in all aspects of that. He is. Now, you know, again, he doesn't wow me as far as his arm is concerned, and I don't know if we're going to see consistent laser from a guy by Kenny Pickett, but that's fine. He's going to beat you other ways. He is. But I think the bottom line, Mike, and to what you're kind of saying, is just like the potential here for Pittsburgh on the offense in the next few years is, is exciting. It is. If they can get the offensive line to a point where they could start you know, really being a consistent running football team, which we're seeing that every now and then right now. They're certainly better now than they were earlier in the year. How can you not be excited about the quarterback and Najee Harris and the tight end and then the two receivers to add on top of that and go, man, there's something there. And of course, you got T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. Now you got some other guys that are aging, and you're going to have to kind of, you know, what do I want to say? Retool, refurbish this defense a little bit. But man, there's still a lot to like in Pittsburgh, and the fact that they keep fighting, and your quarterback here is growing in that process, I think is is all good news for the future of the Steelers organization. You mentioned T.J. Watt to the credit of the Colts' offensive line. They largely neutralized Yeah, that was crazy. Night. When you right. don't hear a defensive player's name get called except when he had to come off for a play because his shoe came off of his foot, you're, you're, you're 
you're handling one of the best defensive players in the NFL very effectively. You mentioned the running game. How about this? Four guys with 30 or more rushing yards for the Steelers. Najee Harris left in the first half with an abdominal injury. He finished with 35. Kenny Pickett had 32. Anthony McFarland had 30. And Benny Snell, guy who's just kind of been hanging around that roster for the past few years. Number gets called because Jalen Warren was out for the game due to injury before the game even began. Snell comes in with 12 carries, 62 yards, and the game-winning touchdown run on that play that Kenny Pickett suggested to the coaching staff on the sidelines. So it's a glimpse of what the Steelers can do now that Pickett is getting more comfortable. A little bit of balance, a defense that can still put the clamps on you, and an offense that can do enough to complement what the defense does. That's all the Steelers are trying to do. An offense that complements what the defense can do. You don't need to score 40. You just need to score in the 20s. And the Steelers defense is good enough to do the rest. And that's what they're trying to and they're not, and they're not done yet. Four and seven. They are not done yet. There's a lot of football still to be played. Six games left for the Steelers. And uh, look, they don't have they don't have a bunch of cream puffs. They still play the Ravens twice. No. What a factor the Steelers are going to be in this AFC North race. Yeah. They've played the Bengals twice already and, right. and uh, uh, split. They haven't played the Ravens at all. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Right. That here we are on the brink of December and they've yet to play the Ravens. Yeah. No. And, and we know they got a, you know, a pretty good feel for how to defend the Ravens, make life hard on Lamar and Greg Roman in that offense a little bit. They will have a say. And, you know, you know, you're right. Like the schedule, it, I don't want to ever disrespect anybody, but other than the Ravens games, you know, they got Falcons, Panthers, Raiders, Browns. None of those teams do we look at and go, oh, well, they just outclassed the Steelers. This is not like, you know, they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles like they were in week eight where we just went, well, hey, Steelers are playing hard, but they really got no chance in this one. There's none of those games there. The Ravens are the only team that you look at to go, well, yeah, they clearly have an advantage. And then when you talk about division rivalry and knowing your opponent and their tendencies and kind of those things, that's that evens out the playing field a little bit there. So that will, will be exciting to see down the stretch here. But you know they're going to continue to fight and fly around and try to knock your head off and do all of that. And uh, that's why the Steelers are fun to watch even when they're not bad, just because of the, the physicality and the, the culture they have that way. We've talked about this before. I mean, when teams talk about the Steelers, they, you know, we, what, remember the training camp I was kind of going around a few years ago? I was going in Washington, and first thing Washington asked me, Oh, you just came from Pittsburgh? Were they hidden? Because they were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers early in the year. Were they hidden? Were they tackling? Yeah, I mean, they just they have that reputation, and people know it when they come into town. Like, uh-oh, here we go. It's going to be a physical one today, and uh, I love that about them and Mike Tomlin. And by the way, that Raiders game yeah. that Chris mentioned, it's coming up Christmas Eve, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, kick. 50th anniversary commemoration of the Immaculate Reception. Wow. They, I, I am not going to ever, ever, ever write off the Pittsburgh Steelers, ever. At the end of the day, they may not make it to the playoffs. At the end of the day, they may not get to the right side of 500. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season as head coach of the Steelers dating back to 2007. It's an amazing run. But I'm never writing them off week in and week out. And you mentioned the schedule. At the Falcons this week. Short week. Got to go back to Pittsburgh and then get it all together and travel down there. 
And I'm not writing them off for that. I'm not writing them off against the Ravens. It's still one of the most bitter rivalries in all of football. Both those games are 1 o'clock Eastern kickoffs. We're used to seeing at least one of those games in prime time. Um, the Browns, Week 18, who knows what happens there. The Panthers, that should be a game that the Steelers win. This, this, it's very interesting. There's a lot of football left to be played. We're tempted now, Chris, as December arrives, to come to our permanent conclusions. You know, we see all the time if the playoffs ended today or if the season ended today, whatever it is. The playoffs started today or if the season ended today, one of the two. Um, there's still... There's still some teams out there that got something to say. Yeah. There's still some teams yeah. that are going to make something happen. Uh, you know, I, I I say it all the time. You get to Thanksgiving. Somebody's going to be the vicinity of 500 and find the gas pedal. Well, the Steelers got a long way to go to get to 500, but it also applies to somebody who's maybe lurking and two or three games under 500. They understand the time is now. The time is now. The time is now. If we want to keep our hopes alive, they're not going to give up. They're never going to give up. No NFL team is going to give up. And, and, uh, it, I, it just adds a little spice to the stretch run because, as Mike Tomlin said, Chris, Kenny Pickett is going to get better each and every week. Yeah. And the Steelers are going to benefit from it as he gets more and more experience. They, they might, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't think they're going to be that team. You know, they, they got a little too much meat left on the bone here as far as just where, where they put themselves in the 4-7 and seven hole. And the AFC is so damn good. But can they upset some people here? And to your point here, there's somebody out there lurking. You know, I don't know. I feel like I'll say this. In the AFC, I feel like when we get to the, out of the – because now the number 10 team in the AFC is the Indianapolis Colts at 4-7-1. and one. And then below them, you got the Jaguars, the Raiders, the Browns, the Steelers, and then the Broncos and, of course, the Texans are the last two teams in the conference. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if I see any team coming out of that mix there. Can they, those teams be annoying to the teams that are in the mix? No, I, I think the line of demarcation for me is the number nine team with the L.A. Chargers at six and five. And teams like the Raiders, the Steelers, even the Jaguars upsetting some teams here down the stretch and reseeding or knocking one team out and bringing another team in. But I, I think that line kind of ends with the Chargers at six and five. I guess that would be my 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 feel for the the situation and and here's the problem chris as we look at this playoff picture graphic you're three games behind if you're the steelers yes right and you've got to jump over multiple teams to get there it's not just hey can we pick off the jets it's can we pick off the jets and and also in that process pick off the Patriots right. and the Chargers. And we lost to they're the two Jets games behind and each the of those. Patriots head yeah. to head. So that's an issue. That's where they're that that that's that's where they're they're in a little bit of a trouble yeah. in this situation. Yeah. They, they you'd like to think if somehow, some way they can pull an inside straight and run the table and get to ten and seven, that should be enough to get in. But again, we're only in year two of this experiment of what seventeen games looks like and what it takes to get to the playoffs. We've seen ten and six not get you in when it was 16. We saw 11 and 5 once upon a time. 2008, the Tom Brady torn ACL year, and Matt Castle comes in. Patriots go 11 and 5, and somehow they don't make it to the playoffs. So, with with all those teams, three games above 500 or more, it's going to be tough. I, I I'll accept the uh, the bucket of ice water on this one. That the Steelers, even if they can keep this going, are going to have a very tough road 
and they're going to need a lot of help yeah. if they're going to end up yeah. swiping the seventh seed. So NFC, who knows? And I feel like in the NFC, see, this is the problem. The 17 games, it gives you, in theory, extra time to get back in it. But it also gives the good teams more time to separate. Yeah, sure. And it's right. more time where you're right. just kind of playing out the string. If they keep separating and keep separating, went through the first four or five weeks, nobody's really separating. Now we're seeing separation. If that continues a couple more weeks, those last two or three weeks are going to be like, what are we doing here? Yeah, we're getting close, I think, to seeing or, or, or we're about a week, maybe two away from just going, wait, th- these are the teams that are in the race here legitimately. Here's the other teams that maybe a miracle can happen. But they're really going to be the the teams that kind of upset the party. And the NFC, you know, I, I, hey, Packers, they're number 11 team in the NFC right now. They're 4-8. and eight. I, That's where I feel like, okay, that's over. I'll even keep Detroit at 4-7 and seven in the conversation for the fact that and Atlanta at 5-7 and seven, and, of course, Seattle at 6-5 and five at the number 8 seed right now with the fact that, you know, the Washington and the Giants have some head-to-head meetings coming up and do have a few tough teams on their schedule to where, yeah, if they fell apart here a little bit and and the Atlanta or Detroit team got hot here, well, maybe they can get in, you know, because I, I don't think the Giants, again, are a dominant football team. I could see them losing a few games here and maybe fall into the pack and open up a door for the eighth seed and them in Seattle maybe fighting it out there to the very end as far as who gets to, to be that last team in the playoffs. But, yeah, the door might be open a little bit more in the N- NFC, but we are getting to the point of the year here where things are starting to crystallize. We certainly know who the upper class is. we got a pretty good feel for the middle class, and then the lower class of playoff teams were – we're still juggling here with a little bit, but we're, we're getting close, and this is why it's the best time of the year because it's, it's going to be awesome. And the Falcons have two different ways they can punch their ticket, too. They can still pick off That's the Buccaneers. Right. Yep. Every team in that division other than the Panthers lost on Sunday, and the Panthers are still, in a weird sort of way, very much alive in the NFC South, in large part because they've done well against their NFC South rivals. Let's take a break. We mentioned the Jets. We mentioned the Packers. We have quarterback updates for both of those teams as week 13 begins to approach. We'll discuss that one. PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 